0: man, I love that last song uh, I hate it, and I love it. I hate it because i'm not sure I can actually pray that prayer. You know singing is just praying to music right so I, I'm not sure I can pray that prayer while while we're singing that. If knowing you means less of me, take Everything. yeah, you said it i I notice i didn't uh you know until God is all you have, you don't know that he's all you need right and uh and and so I think that we ought to be thankful for everything we have. Do you agree? Well, actually, there was a problem in that sentence. That wasn't quite right. It was right, but it wasn't everything. What, What was wrong about what I just said? I'll tell you. I won't make you guess. We ought to be thankful to God for everything we have. Uh, you know the story. We're coming into Thanksgiving, and, and I'm leaving Acts. I'm doing the foundation of Thanksgiving. There's an overarching thing: the holy days are here, is uh, is the kind of the overarching theme from now to Christmas. And if you would take your Bible, I, I've, I've got a lot of small verses today. So first of all, I'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter nine. And I thought I had that marked, but I put my marker in the wrong place. Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse fifteen. And I don't know about y'all, but winter comes, my fingers get so dry, I have trouble turning pages. Here we go. <clears throat> at least that's going to be my story today. Thanks be to God, and I want you to find it. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. And just, uh, I won't belabor this because I would love to, but in 1621, the pilgrims uh, up in New England, they they had what we typically call the first Thanksgiving. Now, the detail I don't want to get into is this. No, uh, that wasn't a one-off. That wasn't an uncommon occurrence. They were having Thanksgiving times in Jamestown in 1607 because the pilgrims were... English separatists. A lot of people think they were Puritans, but they weren't. But they, what had happened is they had a horrible winter. God had taken one Native American, made him a slave, set him free in Europe. Goes to England, becomes a Christian, learns English. They, laid no, you're free if you want. We'll put you on a ship. You can go back home. He says, sure. He comes back home. His village is gone. He joins up with another tribe of people. And those are the people that first met the pilgrims. And when he meets them and he speaks English, they went, How in the world do you know English? And God had done all of that in his life so that he could help those people survive. And a hundred pilgrims landed at the end of the first winter. Fifty-three are left. And fifty-three pilgrims and ninety Indians, Native Americans, if if that really triggered you... um, (laughs) I won't do it. Stop yourself. Um, Decided, let's get together and give thanks to God for what he has done. Now, what is happening in America is we're kind of, we're droning God out of things, not by saying we ought to be anti-God, but by forgetting to add the words, be thankful to God. Don't forget that that our declaration and our constitution assume that the rights that you and I have were given by God and should not be taken by men, right? It's not the government gives us rights. We already got the rights. They can't take them from us. It was the original idea. And we have forgotten that in our thankfulness, even as believers, it's not... If I walked around just being thankful, thankful to who? What am I thankful? I know what I'm thankful about, but... Who do I give credit to? Well, my hand has won me this. Really? And God cuts off your oxygen for five minutes. Now who are you thankful to? Right? Remember the guy in the Bible? He had barns that were overflowing, so he built new barns. And God comes to him and says, Hey, fool, tonight your soul is going to be required. You're going to die. Then who is going to own all that stuff that you just worked for? Even if you think you work for it, you don't realize that God gave you the strength, the ability, the mental ability to do all of that. God holds your life in His hands, and we ought to be thankful to God. Right? And so, this verse that I'm using as a theme for the next till, like I said, till December, thank, be thankful to God for His indescribable or inexpressible gift. So we get the two God out of there, but also I just wanted you to understand in that verse, that word inexpressible is the first time that word has ever been used in history when Paul wrote it because Paul made it up. He took three other words in Greek, stuck them together to use this word. Nobody had ever used this word before. He invented a new word by using several words together. And here's what it literally, literally means: yet to be written. In other words, as much as he tried to describe the gift that God had given, he couldn't do it. So he, what he's saying is, if we say it this way, the story is yet to be told. Even though you tell the story, you can't tell the story. Even though you describe what God is like, you can't describe God. Even though you describe His magnificent gift to us, you just can't quite get there. And so Paul uses this word, it's inexpressible, indescribable, unbelievable what God has done for us. And so as we start heading into Thanksgiving, I want you to look at Psalm 100. It's been called the Thanksgiving Psalm. It uses that word. I'm going to read all the verses of it. If you like, you can stand up. We, we, we're going to say this tonight. By the way, uh, Thanksgiving Eve on that Wednesday night, uh, though nothing else is happening, you can bring your whole family. We're going to have a Thanksgiving Eve service starting at 530. It'll be short, but we're just going to give some thanks to God that night. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. Now, it might be confusing to you. Let me just pause there, verse 3. Because many times you use the word Lord in substitution for the word God. In the original language, the word Lord there is His personal name, Uh, Y-H-W-H. We would say Yahweh or Jehovah. But know that Yahweh is God, is what he's saying. He is God. He's naming who God is, and then he's declaring that he is God. It could have said Baal is God. It could have said, uh, you know, I don't know, just make up a name. Joe is God. But no, Yahweh is God, is what he's saying. It is he who made us, and we are whose? His We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Father God, I just ask right now that You be with us. Our Lord, as we think about who You are and why we should be thankful, God, we ask that we would be thankful, not just thankful, but thankful to You Because every breath we take, every time our heart beats, every morsel we eat, every square inch of our homes in which we live, everything that we have came from the Father of light in whom there's no variableness nor shifting shadow. But Lord, our life is more than the things, the substance of, of houses and land and food and clothing. Lord, the essence of our life should be you. And so, Lord, we thank you for the abundance that you've blessed us with. May we be ever grateful. May we use it to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. You you can be seated. I guess the, the, the main point I would want you to pull out of Psalm 100 today is we are His. We are the peop- His people and the sheep of His pasture. Because today I want to talk about the foundation of Thanksgiving. Next week I'm going to talk about the focus of Thanksgiving. And then the fruit of Thanksgiving. It will be the third week. And really the foundation, the focus, and the fruit all are wrapped up in God. Okay, So we're going to be looking at a couple of different ways as, as we go forward. Uh, uh, to God uh, um, as we go forward about Thanksgiving. Because, listen, when Christ came into the world, I, I, I got this from somebody else, God became a man so that he could give his life for his people. He became a slave so that we might become his sons and he became poor that we could be made rich in Him, and their Bible verse for all that, but I just wanted to say that God did all of that for us so that He could give us so much. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to take this home with you today. Would you put that up? The difference between a believer and someone who does not know God is we can be thankful in every situation. In Thessalonians, it says, rejoice always, right. Except when my car won't start. <laughs> except when I got a bill I shouldn't. Have, I, I I forgot I was going to get. Except when something tragic happens in my family. Kendall. Except when Alabama loses. I mean. <laughs> I you know I wasn't into you today, but it was just right there and I couldn't resist. I'm so sorry. You know we. I got caught in this once when I, when, when I was younger and I was telling some guys this morning and my car just broke down and and there was a, you know, a service station across the street. It was before cell phones. And so they said, yeah, we'll look at it. They pulled it over. I got a ride back. And the next day they called and said, oh, just, it got stuck on the dead. Cranked up. Nothing's wrong. I said, what does it cost? What do I owe you? And he said, don't owe me anything. I started rejoicing. Oh, praise the Lord. That's so great. And the guy said, hey, whoa, what, what are you doing? I said, I'm rejoicing, man. My car, it got fixed. It's not going to cost me anything. He said, would you still be rejoicing that loud if it had cost you a lot? I went, uh, no. (laughs) And I realized rejoice evermore always means rejoice. Yeah. Be thankful in all things at Thessalonians, right? And so the difference between us and a non believer, why can we be thankful? Because we know who's in charge. This was today's Sunday school lesson. If you're in Sunday school, if not, you ought to come next week. It's great to be in Sunday school at, at, at 9.30. Uh, it was in Habakkuk. Habakkuk goes, God, I don't like what you're doing, so tell me about it. God says, I am doing what you don't like because I'm God and I'm in tr- control of everything. And he went, hey, I can be happy about that. If you got it in hand, I'm good. If you can control, it, I'm good. See, we don't trust people, do we? You know, as much as you trust people, you don't really trust people. You know, people do what you inspect, not what you... Expect, right. You know that, right? Like, you just, you know, you don't really, you don't even, t- my son would say, dad, don't you trust me? I said, I don't trust myself. Why should I trust you? <laughs> right? I don't, I don't, I don't trust myself. The Bible says our heart is, des- is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's a parenting tip if you've got teenagers. I don't trust myself. Why would I trust you? That's a great line. <laughs> right? And, 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 and we don't, and so then we think of God like a man and so we don't trust God. And he is, how trustworthy is God? He is ultimately trustworthy. He's fully trustworthy. And if we trust him and we give our life to him and we rest in him. Listen, you know why I know I'm going to heaven? I don't unless I trust God. Faith is putting your weight on or trusting in. We use that word faith thinking it means just a hopeless desperation in the dark and in a hopeless situation. And that is not what faith means. Faith means putting all your weight on something you trust. And that's God. Faith is just saying, catch me. You know, sort of like the old guy that first time he ever rode on a plane. And he had his feet up in the air and they said, what are you doing? He said, I'm not sure this thing's carrying me. And I'm not putting all my weight down on that floor. (laughs) Right? That's that's how we treat God sometimes, you know. We just we we just we're not sure he can quite handle it. Remember the bumper sticker used to be God is my co-pilot? Well, you in trouble if you're driving. <laughs> you know, God better be piloting your vessel, God better be in charge of your life. And so we have abundant reasons to be thankful because we've got a father who has all powerful so he can do anything he wants. He's all-knowing. He knows what is your best. And he loves you so much. He's all-loving toward those who know him. He wants to give you your best. So what are you going to lack? He's going to give you exactly what you need. Now you say, you don't understand. All these things are happening in my life. And you can start telling me all the problems. And I will look at you and I will say, you're right, man. That is horrible. And that's God's gift to, good gift to you. He's got those things in your life. So that he's, he's guiding you, he's taking you somewhere. I don't know if he's teaching you a lesson or making you more dependent or, or making you trust him so that you can glorify him that you get through those things or pass those things. Y'all remember Paul? Paul had some thorn in the side. We don't really know what it is. People love to guess at it. But he said a, a tormentor, a, a demonic tormentor, always tormenting him about, about we don't know what, about his guilty conscience because he killed people, about whatever. And he asked God, would you please take this thorn away? And God said, nope. He said, God, would you please take this thorn away? He said, no. And listen, a lost person can get a no from God. It takes a believer to get a yes. So Paul said, since I'm your son, he didn't say all this in the Bible, but I'm assuming. He said, hey, I'm yours. I need an answer. Would you take the thorn away? And God said, no, because my grace is sufficient. It's enough for you. You don't need me to live in the problem. Paul said, okay, fine. I'm good then. As long as you're going to be with me, I don't care what's around me. And then Paul said this momentary light afflicts is not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed, right? So Paul was glorifying God for what was coming, not what is. Not what we see with our eyes rather than we see with our faith. You with me? That was in Sunday school this morning too that we, uh, my teacher said we ought to walk by faith, not by sight. And so we're walking by faith. We know God's in control. know He's got a whole of our life. And, and how do we know that? We know that because we've come to Him and totally trust Him. You see, some of you in here religious. You may have always gone to church. You may can quote more scriptures than I can, and that would not be difficult probably. But I know this, that unless... You've come to God and said, you know what? I'm not trying to get to heaven on my own. I know I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need, I need forgiveness. I need that the blood of Christ shed on the cross forgive me of my sin. And I'm just releasing power over my life. And I'm asking you to, to forgive my sin, to save me. And if you do that, Jesus said, if you come to me, man, I'll take care of your sin and I won't throw you away. I'll hold on to you for the rest of your life. I will pick you up and grab hold to you. You ever been in a desperate situation? Like, you know, you thought you were drowned, somebody grabbed you. And you said, don't let go. They said, I got you, man. I'm not going to let you go. That's God. He's got us. If you come to Him. Some of you have never done that. You could be religious and never come to Christ and, and, and surrender Him that way. So I want you to see some abundant reasons to be thankful, okay? And uh, you can try to write these down. Hopefully, you got a sheet of paper with a bunch of verses on it. Did that Did that happen? Good. Praise the Lord, man. It, I only asked them to do that once, and it happened. Isn't that great? See, they did what I expected, not what I inspected. That's awesome. I'm telling you, this church is full of awesome people that God is blessed. Now, these are the verses that are going to go with these things. So I'm not even going to read the verses, but I just want to talk about them. First of all, God's character provides the motivation. What kind of character does God have? If he said it, brother, it's going to happen. When God says it, that's enough. There used to be another little trite saying, God said it, I believed it, that settled it. Somebody said, no, God said it, that settled it, whether you believe it or not. When God makes a promise, he has forever settled it. And there's two verses there, 2 Peter 1.4, 2 Corinthians 1.20. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, As many as are the promises of God in Jesus, they are yes. And by the Holy Spirit, we give the amen to it. In other words, when God said something, Brother, it's true. And it's yours. God has an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31, 3. It's a promise to Israel in the midst of, of being uh, carried away into captivity. God says to Israel, I know the plans I have for you, plans of good, not of evil, to bring to expected end. Some people argue that we can't claim that verse. But brother, if it's in the Bible, I'm going to claim it until God says I can't have it. Amen? And so I claim that verse because... I belong to God and I claim that God knows me. The Bible says in Psalm 139 He was forming me in my mother's womb. He knew the day of my death before I was ever even conceived. And listen, you say, well I'll prove it. I'll jump up and shoot you. Well guess what? That was written down before I was conceived. I could get in a wreck today going to Roanoke. And you say, oh that was an untimely death. No, it was right on time. God's got it under control. We just don't know what's going to happen. That's why I don't walk around afraid all the time. Because I am not going to die early and I am not going to die late. I'm going to die right on time. And since I don't know when that day is, I've got to live my life to the fullest for God till that day. Because we, our God gives perfect promises and He loves me with an everlasting love. And we've got an amazing grace. That's, that was actually the verse that I had marked with my marker. And I, do, I did that because uh, obviously it's, it's a great one. Second Corinthians 12, 9, and I'm going to have to separate pages with dry fingers. Oh, man, that's so hard to do. I keep saying that, but y'all, it's real. This Bible, I ought to use my old Bible because I don't care what happens to those pages. So there we go. Got it. It says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. I made perfect in weakness. Remember I was talking about tr- problems? I told this little story, but this is the passage where Paul asked three times. And God says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. You see, when we as fallen uh, creatures are saved, when we as, as, as broken people make a mess of things, God goes, cool. So when he does something great and good and wonderful in our life, we can't take credit for that. We have to give him honor and glory, right? We have to be thankful. And when God does something good, like you actually do something good, all you can say is, thank you, Lord. Now, there have been some lost people that have mocked celebrities and others that win an award and they step up and the first thing they say is, I want to thank our Lord, my Lord Jesus Christ. With the many sports, I was teasing Kendall there, but there's a lot of Christians in, in the celebrity world, in the sports world. And when they, when they win, when they do it, the quarterback for Alabama and the quarterback for Clemson are both Christian boys, young men, and they are good friends through their Christianity. And they compete on the field. Now you want to beat each other's brains out on the field because that's what you do, right? But they're both believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they depend on Him and trust Him. And 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 as believers, we understand that that we have an amazing grace that sustains us. And Paul says, so "I'm going to boast more gladly in my weakness, so the power of Christ might sit upon me." And other times, I say, "No, dude, I can't do that because God can do that. I can't do it." And Paul goes back to that over and over and over again. So God's character provides a reason for our thanksgiving. God's love provides a relationship so we can be thankful. I've already mentioned this, but I want you to understand this well. First of all, he forgives our sin. In Psalm 103, he says that I separate your sin as far as the east is from the west. You know, if you get on, if you get on a, a, a plane and you fly north, eventually you're going to be going south. If you get on a plane and fly east, you will never be going west. If you get on a plane and fly west, you'll never be going east. Right? And God said, I separate your sins, not as far as the north is from the south, as far as the east is from the west. You know, you get halfway around the world going north, and now you're going south. But you go sideways, you can't can't change direction unless you turn around. And God said, I I separate. He said, "I, I remember your sins no more. He forgives us of our sin. You know why you feel guilty? Because you are. (laughs) You don't need to feel better about your sin. You need to be forgiven of your sin. Because when our sins are forgiven and God says, I forget them, He literally means I forget them. See, you don't have the capacity to forget, but God does. And by forgetting, it means I'll never hold you accountable to that. Like I said, I wasn't going to tease my poor brother Kendall over here today because next week he might be able to tease me, right? Because those are just guys who are imperfect. Things can happen. But I did it anyway. I reminded him. See, that's what the devil does, right? The devil reminds us of our sin and makes us feel condemned. But the Bible says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He convicts me of my sin. He tells me, don't do that. You need to do something different. But brother, he forgives me my sin. He forgets my sin. But I can't forget. And so the devil keeps punching that little button in my head. Says, yeah, but you did this. Yeah, but you did this. Yeah, but when he does that, go, I know I did that. I know I deserve hell. But guess what? I'm not going to hell because Jesus saved me, I'm going to heaven. You, however, are going to hell. And why don't you make a trip right now? Amen. So we're going to be thankful our sins are forgiven, that he's given us redemption. And Ephesians 1.7 says we have redemption through his blood. What does that mean? The word redemption is a Greek word that means buy it out of the marketplace. And Jesus, God said that the penalty of sin is death. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he didn't pay Satan off. Satan don't own hell. God owns hell and hell don't rent. God said, sin deserves death. And pay the price. And he put on flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. And then he goes on a beeline to a cross. A perfect man who deserved nothing uh, of death, nothing of sin. Became my sin and your sin and the sin of the world. And he took that penalty on himself, And when Jesus died on the cross, through his blood, he paid God for our sin. And we were redeemed, bought out of the marketplace, never to be sold into slavery. Again, is the force of that word in Ephesians 1.7. We have been redeemed. And we sing that, redeemed. And we sing it, we don't think about what it means. Man, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Man, it's a wonderful thought. I'm excited right now. We've been adopted as his son. You say, well, wow, that's, that's sweet that God adopted us. No, it's more than that. In that world, in the world in which that was written there, in the Roman world, if you had a natural-born son, my natural-born son is Ian. And if, if, if sometime my son did something that I didn't like and I was disappointed or I just didn't like the way he lived his life, I could disown him and say he's no longer my son. We still see that today in the Jewish world, in the Muslim world, where they're they're cut off from their families and they say, you're not ours anymore. But the law in that day said this, but if you adopt a son, you may never disown him. And God says, you're mine by birth, but I also adopted you. I will never let you go. I will never release you. Man, that's an awesome promise. He gave us everlasting life. Some people think you can get saved and lose it. I won't even argue that you can't, but I do know this: that Roman, I mean Hebrews, chapter nine and ten tells you this. If you do lose it, you can't get saved again. It said, if it were possible to fall away, we'll never be redeemed. So once you got it, you don't got it. God got you, and God won't let go. He refuses to let go. You ever play tug of ro- uh, war with a rope? What do you call that? I messed up the words it's in my head. I didn't come out right. But yeah, you tug on a rope and try to pull the other. Tug of war. Yeah, that's right. You try to pull them across the little point in line. You know, you always got that one kid gives up and lets go. A kid. I hadn't done as an adult. I guess why I said kid. You got that one person who goes, ah, I don't want to do this. And they let go. And everybody else falls, right? No, God said, I ain't let go. And nobody can pull him out. <laughs> no, I got you, man. Just come on. And we don't even have to hold the rope. He actually is holding us. We have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have. Oh, I thought temporary life. No, everlasting life. You know, some churches, they they sing that song, There's a New Name Written Down in Pencil. No, my name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life by the blood of the Lamb. And nobody can erase it. Accept God, and He's not going to. And I have a home in heaven. John 14. Jesus used these words to comfort Peter. Peter just said, Lord, I love you more than all of them. Jesus said, Really? Before the morning breaks tomorrow, you're going to deny you even know me three times. And then Peter, in sorrow, bows his head. Jesus says, Peter, listen, you believe in God, trust also in me. In my dad's house, there are plenty of places. And if it weren't so, I would have told you, I'm going, I'm going to make a place for you. And when I'm done, and when you're done, I'm going to call you to myself so where I am, you can be there too. we got a promised home in heaven. It's going to be better than anything I can imagine, so I, I, I hadn't bothered to tell God what I'm looking for. Because I figure He knows better than I do. And thirdly, I want you to see God's generosity provides a provision. And if you, listen, if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, none of this applies to you. You've got to understand that. We can be thankful to God because of His abiding presence. His Holy Spirit lives with us. He is ne- we are never out of the presence. sometimes, Well, I'll use an illustration that, that won't hit home, but you'll understand it. Because if I hit home, somebody's going to say, I'm picking on you. But when you were a kid and your mom left the house or went to another room and you snuck up and lifted the jar lid very quietly and pulled out that cookie and tried to put it back real quietly and thought you were getting away with it. We do that as adults, right? Nobody can see it. We look, look both ways. God's always watching. He's always observing. We're never away from His presence. And that's not to say as, a, as a, a warning against sin that's to say that's a great that's a great comfort in matthew 28 20 after he told us what to go do he said because i'm never going to leave you i will be with you even to the end of the age i am not going anywhere i'm going to send my holy spirit to be with you and i will be with you in the person of the holy spirit always we have an abiding presence with god and that is this holy spirit first corinthians 12 13 tells us that we have his Spirit. Romans eight also tells us that Romans eight eleven, that we have the Spirit of God. That is our knowledge of our salvation, and we have His boundless provisions. In Philippians four nineteen, I will read that one to you, because listen to what it says. My eyes are getting me. In verse 18, he said, I sent you a gift, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If God didn't give it to you, it's because you didn't need it. He supplies all our... My son, when he was a little kid, asked for Everything. I mean, everything. And and here's what I've learned about him. He was content with nothing. He really was. But he'd ask for everything. So one day, Jan said, why do you keep asking for everything? He says, I figure if I ask for everything, you'll give me something. <laughs> Kids, don't try that because I just warned your parents. <laughs> but when he got older and we were struggling a little bit money and he was playing high school football, and I look at his shoes as he's going into his senior year and he's wearing his... It, those shoes that ought to have been his practice shoes. And I, I was like, didn't you grow some this past year? Yes, sir. I said, aren't those shoes too little? He said, oh, but they're okay. I can wear them. I said, son, we got enough money. Buy you some new cleats. And so yeah, I'm telling you, he was content with less. He wouldn't He wouldn't actually push the issue when he grew up and understood. And I, and I appreciate that about him. But I, I got him some new cleats that he wore one year. And now they got mold all over them because he never wore them again. But... My point is that God is never struggling financially. He is never struggling with supply. God could supply every need in the world at one time completely and not be any poorer for it. Why? Because unlike our government, when they make more money, we all get depressed, right? When God makes more money, it doesn't tax him or us at all. Right? He's a creator God. He can speak it into existence if he wants to. I'm not saying that's how he does it. I'm just telling you, you're serving a God who in one day went, space, B, boom, and there it was. Planets exist. Pow, there they were. Stars come into being. Boom, there they are. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God said it, bang, there it was. (laughs) Right? That's the God we serve and call him Father See, here's my fears. We've thought of the word thanksgiving as a federal holiday. It is the giving of thanks to God for His abundant, abundant, abundant gifts to His children. Because if God only saved me, I would have reason to thank Him eternally. If God didn't save me, I would have reason to worship Him as God eternally. Even if I did not know. That's what's going to happen to the lost. They will be forced to worship Him. But we come as children in love to worship Him. So I would say there's abundant reasons to be thankful. There's abundant reasons to be saved. I'm not trying to bribe you into being saved. But I will say this. The most important reason you ought to be saved is God is holy and you need Him. God is God and without Him we are desperately in trouble. In fact, a Hollywood celebrity got saved and even wrote a book with a curse word in the title that said, God, if you don't help me, I'm destroyed. I'll put it that way. I'm messed up. If if you don't understand that without God, you're desperately, hopelessly lost. Dante wrote it this way, that over the gates of hell hang a sign, abandon hope, all you who enter here. But we as believers, we have abundant hope. We have overcoming hope because our hope will not be disappointed. We have a confident expectation. God's got me. I'm not going anywhere. And like Job, we can say, if I lost all my money and all my possessions and all my family and everything in this world and all my health and everything I possibly ever thought I had, I could only say, naked I came in the world, naked will I depart. God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? Right? So we ought to worship Him just because He's God. You see, the benefits that I've been mentioning, they're real, but they're not automatic. You can't have those benefits without knowing Christ. So believers ought to live in a state of thanksgiving. We ought not wait till the end of November to give thanks to God. Did you know the word thanks, uh, just one quick study I did, just the word thanks, not the word thanksgiving or anything. I just wrote in the word thanks and I searched it a hundred times in the King James Bible, the word thanks appears. Just, just that word. But look at thir- First Thessalonians and chapter 5. I have this written in calligraphy and I can't even read it because it's Japanese calligraphy. Because a Japanese friend of mine wrote it in calligraphy and gave it to me. And I said, what does this say? And here's what he wrote in calligraphy. First Thessalonians five, sixteen through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You say, I'm struggling to discover the will of God. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ for you. What can you do about all this this week? Well, the reason I printed out those verses and didn't read them is so you can. This week, look them up and read them. Every day, you could take one or two or a few of those. Look them up, read them, and give thanks to God for what it says there. So, intentionally, every morning, thank God for at least one thing, first thing every morning. Now, I wrote this before I had a conversation with my daughter. uh, Friday, I guess, I was riding around with my daughter, and I'd already put this down before I had this conversation. And there was a time in her life where she was struggling with some emotional, just because they've been through a lot. And she said, I read somewhere that if, the, if, as soon as you wake up, you think of five reasons to be thankful that it will change your body chemistry. So she did. And she did it for two months, and now she still does it. First thing in the morning, she said, I would just think, what do I have to be thankful for today? And she would name them out and thank God for them. And it radically changed the anxiety and need that she felt in her life. So I, I just, i am given that to you. I didn't even know that as a fact. I just knew it was a good thing to do because the Bible said to do it. Develop an attitude of thankfulness by looking for God in every situation. You know, I've been scratching my head since Tuesday. Like, hey, God, Get on here? Well, hopefully God will use bad things to wake us up. Right? At least that. God says, I... I set one up I tear down another God's got just the people he wants there for some reason that is beyond my understanding or is like we like to say above my pay grade so let's look for God in every situation you find yourself in well, God what are you doing what, what is your purpose here and may I act in accordance to what you are after in my life and then thirdly take those scriptures that I gave you and use them to thank God every day this week that's why I wanted to give them to you so stick them in your Bible And tomorrow morning, just pull one out and start reading it. Thank God for it, okay? Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you.